0: Welcome
1: morning. What a great morning to be here. And we are so happy to see you here this morning. Want to call together, uh, get us together this morning. Thank you for um, your devotion to the Lord and your willingness to be here. And now, of course, as we clear our minds to start worshiping him, we want to do that in spirit and in truth. Those that will be leading us in our worship this morning. Gibson will be leading our song service. Bo Gross will say our opening prayer. Scripture reading will be by Adam Carlson. Of course, Brother Kim will lead us in our lesson. Lord's Supper, Stephen Hodgen has that one. We wanna also, uh, and then the announcements will be Chris Langley. You know, as the eldership, we wanna make sure you know, of course we are watching the weather today and uh, We'll be watching that, and if there's any change to services or anything like that, we'll let you know later today as we understand how it's going to progress throughout the day. But we are here this morning for a reason to uh, to worship our amazing God. And the Bible says, First Chronicles sixteen twenty three, Sing to the Lord, all the earth, proclaim his salvation day after day. Would you bow with me as we get started this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we we give you all glory, praise and honor this morning as we worship you. And Father, our prayer is that we'll do so in spirit and in truth and Father, that we'll give you our all this morning. Help us as we clear our minds and our thoughts and we devote ourselves to praising and uplifting you. When we love you so much. It's in Christ's name. Amen.
2: The first song this morning will be Blue Skies and Rainbows.
3: Let's all sing out.
0: Blue Skies and Rainbows.
4: And here be-
2: six and 48 stand up stand up for Jesus
5: Father, in prayer. Lord, we're so very thankful for this day that you've blessed us with. Father, we're so honored and privileged for the privilege to call you our Father. Lord, we are mindful of those who are, who are hurting, who are dealing with sickness, with loss, Lord. We lift up Nellie Barrett, David White, Sarah Kate English, Joyce Morris, Addison McGuire, Treva Brown, Harbor Johnson, and all the rest on our prayer list, Father, we, we lift them up to you, realizing you know what they need better than we know how to ask. Well we pray that you'll be with us as we worship you this morning. We pray that we would worship you in spirit and in truth and in everything, Father, we pray that you, we all glorify and praise you. Lord, I pray for Brother Ken this morning. We're so thankful for him, for the abilities you've blessed him with. Pray that you will give him a ready recollection of things he's prepared this morning. But we lift up those who may be shut in, dealing with different heartaches, different troubles, especially, Father, as we have the upcoming cold weather and the possibility of, of a storm. We, we pray that you'll keep them safe. Lord, we are so thankful for all the blessings you've blessed us with, but especially, Father, for your precious Son. Lord, we pray to you would forgive us where we fail you, We love you so much. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.
2: The invitation song today will be, Why Keep Jesus Waiting, 927. The song before the lesson this morning will be, Anywhere With Jesus, 414.
0: Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere we need.
6: For this morning, will be James chapter one, verses thirteen through eighteen, and I'll be reading from the New King James Translation. Let no one say, when he is tempted, "I am tempted of God," for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures."
7: Looks like a piece of cake. So today's sermon is the constant test of temptation, and right there it is. Constant. So a uh, few things. Number one, today is LC Thompson's birthday. He is ninety years old today. Elsie, happy birthday. We're thrilled for that, and I think there's another 90 coming up here soon, so I'll let you know about that when it happens. We also have some sick, and uh, several of them were mentioned in our prayer. Uh, Joyce Morris fell and broke her hip, and they did an MRI and CT scan and determined that, you remember back in September, she had pretty major stroke, and she recovered from that. They believe that she's had some more strokes and probably that's what prompted her falling. So please remember her as she's, of course, healing from surgery for the broken hip, but also that uh, this stroke situation can be resolved and that she's gonna get better and be back with us really soon. So, a couple of Sundays ago, December the 31st, was an unusual fifth Sunday. We don't normally have five of those in a year, but we were blessed with five this year. And the elders decided that that contribution would go to missions. Well, this congregation contributed $40,397. Thank you very much. So the mission team met on Monday, and as is our habit, we spend every dime of it. You are welcome. <laughs> we have decided to continue our support of Don Roberson. Now, we were going a year-by-year basis with him, and Not only has he continued the work that he was doing and making trips to lots of posts around the world, but he has since then become the director of 21st century global missions. They have works. I said all over the world, I'm, I'm going to guess that if the earth were turning, the sun would be touching on one of those places 24 hours a day. So I guess it would be true as I've heard it said of other things that the sun never sets on that work. And since we're participating with them in it, guess what? Our mission work doesn't ever see the night. The sun's always shining on that too. So I'm thrilled that we can help Don and his work in that way. You will remember that boy I, I had a lot of faith trying to lead this mission team and I convinced them that we just needed to go ahead and send $10,000 to help with the building of the Sorority School of Biblical Studies. And we went ahead, sent to that, thinking at least this church will contribute $10,000. And wow, you sure did. So, whew, I'm I'm glad Uh, we covered it. But those pictures there are the pictures of the start the foundation work and what they progress progressed so far in the construction of that building. Now, a lot of buildings that are built house schools that are simply designed for educating preachers. But this work has the goal of instructing members of the Lord's church in the role of evangelism. So that means that those folks that attend this school, that you and I, Are participating in are going to be trained in such a way that they can go out and teach the gospel to their neighbors and their friends and you ought to be very excited about that we have been supporting Wayne barrier for a long time and I don't think any contribution to Wayne barriers work is in vain and so the mission team here at the end of the year decided that we would send $2,000 more dollars in support of Wayne's work. It's a one-time contribution just with the hope of continuing to help him in support of, again, a global kind of work. And we've had him here several times, maybe the longest running work that we do. And he always just amazes us with the prolific nature of the work that he does. So we were thrilled to be able to do that. We also support the work that's in Winona, which unbeknownst to us has its hands in many of the works that I've just described. At the end of this month, there's going to be a team, primarily the Golden Circle, but anybody is welcome to go. But we're going to go on the last Friday of this month and help them with some of the work that they do. Usually we give them $1,000. That's a budgeted item for the mission team but we decided that out of this contribution of yours that we would increase it to $5,000 to really help in the distribution of materials again, all over the world. And then we know that there are members here that are going to be going on mission trips through the year. Probably even our youth group is gonna make some intention about going on some mission trips. And so we set aside $6,000 of that money For mission trips, and then another six thousand for domestic missions, which brings our total to forty-two thousand dollars. Ken, you overspent us. Sorry, (laughs) peace. That's just how we roll around here. (laughs) But I will say that you know we already had one thousand of the Winona work in the budget. So that means we can reduce that to the 4000 So that's $41,000. And if anybody wants to make up basically the $600 that's lacking there, peace. Thank you very much. But I just want you to know that when you contribute to missions, that that work is, is going to be taken care of. We're going to spend the money. So don't give it if you don't want it spent. Okay? If you do want it spent in the Lord's work, then just just give and give and give. Yes? Yes. So again, thank you so much for the contribution that you made. And by the way, if you're in some foreign country and you're like, oh, they had $40,000, I'm going to get some of that. Sorry, we're all spent. We're all spent. Thank you for being here today. I know we have some visitors with us and we're thrilled that you're here and a part of our worship today. And to us, this is not just a place you come and just plug in, worship, and then leave. This is not a drive-through service. We are God's family here in Boonville. And we we love each other so much. And that's why we pray for each other. That's why we contribute to world-reaching works like I just described We just, we want to see God's work done. And I can't say specifically about what's happening anywhere else, but I know what's happening here. And I, for one, am just so grateful for that. Now, we participated in singing. We have been praying to God. All those are acts of worship. We are now going to participate together in the study of God's word. It is another avenue by which Not just that we learn some things, but that we are opening our hearts up to God's instruction. And today is a message that is of a tremendously practical nature. Uh, Just as as that piece of cake reminded me how much I love dessert, how I just dive into a piece right now, so is true of the constant test that temptation presents. For every single one of us. So we're going to talk about the source of it. We're going to talk about the nature of it and the defeat of temptation. But before we start that ambitious quest, we're going to pray together. We're going to ask God to bless Joyce and these others who are sick. Uh, bless Elsie with many more years and we're going to ask God to bless the contribution that we made to these works and of course that he'll be with us as we are studying God's word together as one as one mind let's pray together our father thank you for this day thank you for how it's progressed into this moment that we can assemble in this place and worship you in spirit and in truth we thank you father for every avenue The way that it touches every part of our being. And we pray that all that we're doing is acceptable to you. I pray, Father, that you'll bless us now as we're entering into a period of meditation upon your word, that your word will be effective in us. Help me, Lord, to communicate the things I've prepared. And I pray that those things are just exactly what somebody needs to hear today. Lord... I pray that you'll be with uh, those who do hear these words that uh, they can make good use of it, understand it, that it'll become practical and living in them. Lord, we thank you for your blessing of health today. That's how we all can assemble like this, but there are some who are sick and we have an extraordinarily long list of those. We pray especially today about Joyce's situation. We pray, Lord, you will strengthen her and make her better and bring her back to us. We're thankful that Brian Rowland is back here today and you've heard our prayers about his condition. We pray that he is getting better. We thank you for LC and the number of years that he has lived and the blessing that he is to us and so many as a part of our family here. And we pray that you'll bless him with many more years of strength and clarity. We. Pray, Father, for all these works that we're endeavoring to support. And we pray, Lord, that as we do that, you're helping our team to be wise in the distribution of these funds. Thank you for the bounty that you expressed through members of this congregation to see that these works are funded and that your word is spread throughout the entire world. Father, bless us now as we concentrate on what you had to say to us, protecting us from ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then... When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren, for every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of life, with whom is no variation, or shadow of turning. Out of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creation." Temptation to sin is no respecter of persons. Everybody, even 90-year-old L.C., is faced with temptation every day. It happens to the young as it did with Joseph. And in the story of Joseph, he stood firm. Despite the fact that he was ill-treated by his family, his brothers, he still remained faithful to God. And because of that, God brought about great things despite the turmoil that he experienced in his young life. It affects those who are very strong. Samson, the strongest man who ever lived, I suppose, was tempted continually, but He didn't have the self-control that was necessary to overcome it like Joseph had. And he succumbed to temptation over and over and over again to ill effect. Temptation affects kings and those in places of authority like it did with David. David is described as a man after God's own heart. And somehow or another, we just assume that that means a sinless sort of person. But David was not sinless. Perhaps his heart was in the right place. And certainly his desire was to do the will of God. But he succumbed to temptation and he paid a heavy, heavy price for that sin. It also happens to the common person as happened in the case of Achan who took for himself a Babylonian garment, a wedge of gold and some silver and hid it in his tent. All the while well knowing that God was seeking out the person who had created the offense. It wasn't until it was actually discovered in his tent that he owned up to it. He failed when the time of temptation came. And not only did he face the consequences, but his entire household. And many died as a result of God's punishment for the sin that was in Israel. No. Temptation is no respect of persons. It affects everybody. Perhaps the one you're thinking about, the one who faced temptation and was the most successful is of course Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 4 begins with a description of Jesus' temptation. And three different times he's tempted severely with things that mattered to him. Things that were his desire, but he did not accept the temptation. He didn't follow it to sin. And Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says that he was tempted in all points just as we are, yet without Sin. I would like to say that all of us face temptation and never give in to it. But the likelihood is that even though maybe sometimes the consequences don't present themselves in a public way, that we oftentimes fall prey to temptation. Some more severely, with longer lasting consequences. And some seem incidental and prompt us to commit more sin, so long as we're not caught. Temptation is a serious business and temptation is something that never takes a vacation. We're warned in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 to be sober to be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It is Satan's grandest Effort to deceive us, to lead us into sin, to entice those desires that live within us. So today, as I expressed earlier, I just want to break this down in some pretty simple ways, try to explain the mechanism of temptation, to consider its source, and then we're gonna follow up by looking at the nature of it, and finally, some ideas about what to do to defeat it. So, let's think first about the source of temptation. Temptation, in its very basic description, is simply the solicitation to sin. I guess we're just gonna put it in really simple terms. We'd say, well, it is an effort to try and convince us to participate in a sin. And I want to add another component to it because temptation isn't temptation unless it's acting on some desire that is within us. So the target of this solicitation for sin is our internal desire. Again, from our text... He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So you have internal desires. Temptation comes along as a solicitor to prompt you to act on the desire that is within you. And Satan's hope that through that mechanism of soliciting that desire, that the desire will get out of control, will overstep its rightful bounds, and will lead you to commit sin, and then ultimately that sin will lead to death. Let's talk a little bit about sin. Sin, in, again, its basic form, is the idea of missing the mark. So in an analogy, if you were using a bow and arrow and you were trying to strike the target, every time you missed the target, that would be in this description missing the mark, or that would be a sin. In other words, there's a target to hit. You didn't hit the target. In moral realms, the idea is there is this prescribed way to live. Our moral standard is God's commands. And so if I miss the mark of God's commands, then that means that I have, I have sinned. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, Everyone who commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Another word that's connected with sin is the word transgression. The word trans means across, gress means step. So you are stepping across. I would add the idea that you're stepping across the line. Well, where is the line? Well, First John three four said it's lawlessness. So there is a law or there is a target. There's something God has commanded. There's an expectation on the part of God that says, you do it this way. You behave this way. Regardless of the desires that you might have within you, you behave in this prescribed way, the way that I've commanded you. And when you do that, you hit the mark, you're satisfying or obeying the law, you're good. But that time when you don't, that is sin. Lawless, without law, without regard to the law. Now, it is, it is so common today for people to assert that there are no absolute moral standards. And you know what? I've been thinking about this. And I guess from the standpoint of the worldly mind, that would be true. The worldly mind does not accept a standard. Or if it does accept a standard, it is a standard that has been man-made. So when someone today in this modern world says that there are no absolute standards, they're really suggesting to you, and I think it's true, that as regards the world and as regards myself, I will do how I want to do. Okay, if, if, your, if your desire, if your hope, if your aspiration is not to serve God, then that makes sense. I guess you can do whatever you want to do. But if what it is you're trying to do is to please God, you want to call yourself a Christian. You want to be wrapped up in the forgiveness of God. If, if that is what you desire then absolutely there are truths that God has outlined that we have to subscribe to. Or else we're missing the mark. We're falling short. We are committing sin. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3, we find out that this is the love of God. What is it? That we keep His commandments. Okay? You say, I love God. But there are no absolutes. Well, stop. Back up. Uh, You've got your mind twisted up with the worldly mind. If we have a mind for God, the answer is, of course there are absolutes. It's absolutely true because it's written in the scriptures. And right here he says, "You, you want to demonstrate your love for God? This is it. That we keep His commandments. Or John 14 and verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Seems to me that that's a pretty simple thing to grasp. Either I will or I won't. Temptation is set with the idea that it is going to take advantage of a desire that we have and cross or go beyond what law God has established so that I can do what I want to do. God has laid out his prescription, however, in some, and and I keep saying absolutes, some very definite ways. In fact, he He puts words to it. In the book of Galatians chapter five, beginning verse 19, he says now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are, Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the like of the which I told you before as I've also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I know that there's a long list right there, and we're not going to take the time to define every single one of the things that God specifically lays out. But God says, these are the things that when you commit them are sins. And when you commit these sins, I'm going to have nothing to do with you. The source of sin, my desire, solicited by temptation to lead me to that place where I will actually act on something within myself and separate myself by my own choice according to my own selfish desire to be be separated from God. So what's the nature of it? What's the nature of temptation? I want to assert again what James asserts in the beginning because this is so important to grasp. God is not the author of temptation to sin. God is not the author of that. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, gives birth to sin and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. God did not solicit by means of temptation for you to commit sin. No, no, sir, not at all. But God did put desires within you. Uh, Here's a simple illustration. When I saw that piece of cake right there, my mouth started watering. I don't know if anybody, maybe it's just a random picture they took, but whoo, chocolate cake dripping with icing like that. Ooh, I just have a a real, deep desire for that. You have cravings for food and water. You know you go running long enough. You get depleted of water. You you, you become a crazy person wanting to get a drink of something. It's amazing how when the desire becomes so great, it's like you... Well, without training, it's like you can't control the thing. Like you can't control it. Solicitation to sin. (laughs) When sin happens, do we blame God? You say, I wouldn't do that. Text said that God wasn't responsible. He's not, but when you're caught red-handed doing something, sometimes you want to blame somebody. You know, from the very beginning, that was the tactic. It isn't something new. When Adam faced God after eating the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 12, here's what he said. He said, the woman whom you made for me, she gave me of the tree and I ate it. Okay, I ate it, yeah, You caught me right. I ate it. But the woman gave it to me. And oh, by the way, you made her. Can you imagine? I'm going to blame God for the choice that I made. There was a solicitation for sin. So just like when I see that cake and my mouth waters, there was Eve in the garden. God had already told them of all the trees that are in the garden, every single tree, you have a desire within you that I've put there, a desire for food. In fact, you'll have a desire for some foods over other foods, right? I love to eat a steak, a potato, that kind of thing. But you put asparagus in the room? I don't even want to be there. It's food and some people love it. I hate it. I don't have a weakness for asparagus. But that cake that was out there, boy, I'd love to dive into that. That's a physical desire. She had a physical desire. And I'm sure there are a lot of fruit there in the garden that was good enough. But Satan took that desire that she had coupled with the notion that things could be better as a result of eating that fruit. And according to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, watch this. There was a desire that was in her that Satan Satan tempted her with. The desire. She looks at that fruit and she says, it looks like it's good for food. It's pleasant to the eyes. It's desirable to make one wise. I have a desire for that. God said, don't eat it. Do not eat that. You can eat any other fruit. And maybe there are some other fruits in this garden that taste just as good. But don't eat that one. Eat of all the other varieties of things. You have a physical desire for food. There's a notion that this will make me better. So... Eat those, but don't eat that one. Satan solicited her to sin. He took the desire that was natural within her and he tempted her. And that temptation, that solicitation to sin and her willingness to act on that temptation and cross the line resulted in her sin and just exactly what James said would happen, death. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2, uh, another example. So that text says, Because of sexual immorality, a man should have his own wife and a woman should have her own husband. And then through verse 5, he goes on to describe how that within the marriage relationship, God has set up a mechanism that in his mind is holy for the satisfaction of sexual desire. Now question, who put that sexual desire in us? God did. Sexual desire in and of itself is not sinful. It's natural to desire another person, for a man to desire a woman, for a woman to desire a man. Anything that goes against the commands that God has laid out with regard to sexual desire is sinful. In the Old Testament scriptures, It's like, why would God even have to say it? But you've got to think that because the sexual appetites that prevailed, people were doing all kinds of things. He had to warn people not to have sexual relations with animals. He had to warn people not to have sexual relations with a person of the same sex. He had to warn people not to have sexual relationships with their near relatives, their own parents. Why would he have to do that? Because there were some people who had sexual desire within them, a desire that God had placed there, and Satan had solicited them to sin. Temptation had arisen. That desire then was acted upon in ways that were contrary to the commands of God, and as a result, they sinned. And you say, well, which one of those is the worst? Not a one of them. Because all of them lead to the same place. They lead to death. Desire, when temptation is accompanying it, if I act on that temptation, it results in sin, and then that sin will result in at least spiritual death. How do I cope? With something like that well first thing I would say is information if you are being solicited to sin if you are being tempted to commit sin on the basis of some desire that you have within you now I'm gonna say this not all of us have the same pressing desires there are some people who desire alcohol and it is a major temptation for them me I have no desire for it whatsoever. I don't think about it. In fact, when I hear about it, it it's, it's a, a non-issue for me. Unless it's related to somebody else, I want to help them through what has become a problem of sin. And that, sure, but as for me, I, I, don't have, I don't have a desire within me for alcohol. But maybe you do. Just because you have that desire within you doesn't mean that that desire is sinful. Just because I have the desire for a thing, all of us have different desires. It's when Satan takes the advantage of tempting me with regard to that desire, and then I have absolutely no self-control whatsoever, and I act on it. I cross the line. I go beyond. I miss the mark. I commit sin, transgression, willfully. I chose that seems to me that it would be important, if I'm going to cope with temptation, that I would not allow myself to be in those places where the temptation will arise. I was talking about uh, alcohol. Uh, definitely, I'm not going to be in any places that serve alcohol. I'm not going to be, you know, um, associating people who are drinking alcohol. Why would I do that? Why would I subject myself, if that is a desire that I have, Put myself in a situation where temptation will arise because I may resist it the first time and the second time and the third time. But ultimately, if I don't have enough self-control, I may succumb and then I will sin. I will cross the line and I will set myself up for death. Sexual immorality is the same thing. Why would I set myself up if if I, especially, I mean, let's just put it out there, especially young people have these powerful passions, sexual energies. Why would I, if I'm a child of God, and I have these powerful sexual desires, why would I ever put myself in a situation where I'm subject to committing sin, where temptation is powerful, close dancing, uh, watching uh, R-rated movies and such, uh, associating uh, privately with someone of the opposite sex. Why would I ever put myself in a situation where I knowingly am risking an action against a passion that maybe for the longest time I have held in check? Why would I ever put my soul at risk like that. Seems to me if I'm going to cope with temptation one of the things I would do is just use a little information. What's going to be going on here? And am I going to be subject to Satan's solicitation to sin? Don't, Don't risk it. Perhaps it's the idea of the disruption. I've got to set myself up so that there are no uh, disruptions in regard to my life, so that I'm called off guard. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, for he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You know, the more we communicate, we involve ourselves with other people's lives, positive and good. But if I have a tendency toward uh, gossip and and you know uh, negative speech why would I put myself in an environment where I'm just kind of going along and doing my own thing, never really saw it coming, and all of a sudden I've entered into this conversation and I see myself gradually participating in it. I need to put a stop to it now. Because in the mix of that, which will ultimately lead to some kind of gossip or tearing down another person's character, as I participate in that, I get deeper and deeper and deeper into it before you know it. It's become a pattern of my life. The nature of temptation is such that it is always around us, always making itself available. And then how do I defeat it? You know, what what do I do? What do I do to defeat temptation? I know what the world is telling you, that it doesn't matter what you do. And in terms of our relationship with God, more and more of that scoffed at, and I don't know what kind of names are in vogue today for Christians who are just striving to do what's right, but every generation finds its Christians with targets on their back. Despite their effort to do what's right, still the world is always pushing in the other direction. But one thing that, and I think in particular why this is found here in the book of James, is James's ultimate stress upon our faithfulness. Every kind of scenario that we could imagine is addressed in one way or another through this book. And so ultimately it comes down to my effort to remain faithful to God, uh, despite the things that are around me, even, even temptation to sin. So... One thing is I I have got to believe that what God tells me is good for me actually is good for me. I mean, that what God is encouraging me to do is for my good. But on the other side of that, I also need to understand that what God says to me is harmful. I need to believe that that's true, too. And that I need to abstain. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 22 says to abstain from every form of evil. You remember what we saw in terms of the works of the flesh over there in Galatians 5 a moment ago? He ended that long list of things by saying, and such like. Things that are like these are also an offense to God. They go beyond. They cross the line. They miss the mark. They are sin." So abstain from every form of evil means, you know, we, with a discerning mind, we, we certainly can determine if God has said this is good, that's what I need to pursue. If God has said this is not good, I don't need to inch as close as I can to it in order to know that that is the place I need to go. Because as you and I know very well, many people succumb to the depths of, on the side of the cliff because they just got a little too close. We need to trust God that also when we resist, that we'll be successful. I mentioned uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, but listen to how this goes. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour resist him steadfast in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world don't think that what you're facing right here is unique it's this is you know nobody's ever faced this before they have in some form or another you need to resist it satan is looking for an opportunity with you What he uses with you, he might never think to use with me because I don't have that desire within me but he will tap whatever resource is necessary to take you from the place where you have the kind of self-control that Paul said, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, that he disciplined his body and brought it into subjection, lest when he had preached to others, himself had become disqualified. Same with us. So we keep a lid on that. This is a passion that I have, but I'm going to be in control. Don't ever set yourself up to the extent that you're unable to resist. But trust that God said you can, and if your mind is such that you will, then you're going to win that battle. And I would always strive to remember that God God loves you. God didn't come up with a bunch of do's and don'ts because He just wants to make a boring life for you. God's desire is that we live faithfully in this life so that we can live eternally with him in the life that's coming. Not giving in to temptation, but having enough self-control within us to put a lid on those passions, to control those passions, and have those passions that God placed in us satisfied in ways that he has prescribed instead of venturing across the line and committing sin. I'm reminded of a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. That text says that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with each temptation will provide the way of escape that you may be able to bear it whatever the temptation is with God's help we can overcome it Satan is not giving up on any one of us he knows exactly what passions are the most powerful within you and he will prompt you he will do everything he can to encourage you to act on those passions The beautiful thing about that is it's not the end. If you've committed sin, if you're a child of God in that situation, we're told that if we confess our sins, that He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we made a mistake. We succumbed to temptation. We sinned. It doesn't have to be death if we'll confess it and be brought back into a right relationship with the Lord. But it's a little more dire for those who have not obeyed the gospel. Outside of Jesus Christ, you bear the brunt of your sins. You choose to satisfy your desires selfishly, you'll be held accountable for those. The only remedy for that is the saving blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross bearing all of our sin so that we wouldn't have to face God's wrath in the end. How do I take advantage of that? How, how, do I, how do I have the forgiveness of sin? Well, it's through obedience to the gospel. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you're ready to repent, and that is to turn away from this sin, you don't continue to cross the line You repent of your sin. You confess that faith. You're buried in water. You have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. And then you rise up out of that water a new creature, having had those sins washed away. And then the aspiration is that you'll continue to walk faithfully until death. If you're a child of God and you've stumbled in some way, you've succumbed to temptation Let's confess that, let's pray about it, and let's get back on the righteous path. If you are not a child of God, today gives you an opportunity to have your sins washed away. If there's anybody who needs to respond. Now's your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand and sing? Why keep Jesus praying? Pray, pray.
5: Unto the O Lord Do I lift up
3: my
0: soul unto the O Lord Do I lift up my soul?
2: Supper, we will sing Why Did My Savior Come to Earth?
0: 382. Let's all sing. Why?
8: opportunity to get the emblems to participate in the Lord's Supper, please raise your hand and one of our ushers will provide that for you at this time As we prepare our minds and move into this part of our worship May we listen to the words penned in the book of Luke. And when when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, He breathed his last. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. May we remember his words. Let's pray. Father God, as we... Continue our worship in spirit and in truth. And at this time, remember not only the words, but the sacrifice of your son. That he died on the cross for us. That he willingly gave his body to be beaten and bruised. And put to death so that we might be forgiven. And Father, as we remember that death, we thank you for this bread, which represents your son's body. And as we partake of it, as you've commanded us, may we remember that. May we remember what Jesus means and do this in a manner pleasing to you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Likewise, Gracious Heavenly Father, as we continue this worship and partake of this cup, which contains the fruit of the vine, which represents the blood of your Son that willingly was given, that was shed, that ran down that cross into the dirt on Calvary. That blood, Father, we know continues to run today through the lives of those who serve you, and we are thankful for it. And as we partake of this cup, may we do so in a manner that not only pleases you, but in a way that glorifies you as we remember your son. In, your, in his name we pray. Amen.
2: The song before we give this morning be O to be like thee.
4: Father, we thank you so much for all the blessings you've given us. God, we're well aware that every single possession that we have, we only have because you gave it to us. And now, God, at this time, we give back. And our prayer is that what we give will be given and used to further your word throughout the world and to help those that need help. In Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Chris comes up here and has the rest of our announcements, and uh, closing prayer, I've got a few youth announcements. Um, CYC, your first deposit of $60, if you're going to CYC, is due next Sunday. Um, There will be a Valentine's banquet that the youth will be throwing for the 55 and up um, on February the 10th, so mark your calendars for that, February 10th. Valentine's Day banquet. And then, uh, due to the weather tonight, we will not be having a skate night in Tupelo. Um, we'll try to reschedule that for a, one of the rinks here in town one, later on in the spring, maybe. But uh, Dr. Todd English said that if we need to, we can come to his house tomorrow and play in the snow. So, there's that. So.
9: Good morning. Today we had 338 people gathered here to serve the Lord. Um, Got a few announcements to go through. It should take only about three minutes, so uh, just hang tight and then uh, please remain seated at the end of the prayer for uh, uh, scholarship distributions. Uh, Sympathy is extended to Rita Panel and the death of her brother Terry Penna. There will be a memorial service at a later date. Uh, We still have the gift card in the table in the back of the foyer uh, for the uh, Forrest's week-old grandbaby, uh, Tracy Forrest, Tracy Cole Forrest, son of Drew and Amanda. It's right there at the back, big blue teddy bear, you can't miss it. Um, We have a landmark nursing today at 4, and the ladies' meeting that had been originally scheduled will not be scheduled today. And last the leaders news, uh, just beyond the left uh, door back there, you can, uh, those participating in Banner can pick up their Banner kits, follow the instructions, if you need any further instructions, see D. Worley. The Song Leading and Songs of Praise uh, will meet at the Jones House uh, today, so choose your uh, time slot. And then the Bible Bowl will meet at 4 o'clock in the TAC for All Ages. Uh, Also, it's time for dues as well. So please see the the bulletin as far as uh, how much it is. You can see uh, Jonathan Farr or give the money at the office. Please put your name on that envelope when you do so. Uh, The food pantry, closed closet, will be open this uh, coming Thursday, 9 a.m. to 10.30. And then uh, some news going down, uh, we've got the uh, Youth Area-Wide Worship Fellowship next Sunday. Going to need a lot of food. Drew Bruce will be uh, leading the the topic. I think I'm supposed to say it like "just save yourself." Yeah, that's that's right. Okay. Uh, Take it from Jonah 4. Um, There are sign-up sheets in the folder uh, for you for that. Uh, I've got the Golden Circle will be doing their work day down in Winona for the World Evangelism Warehouse. Uh, That's going to be on the 26th of this month, and anybody can help and I guess the later comes later if we're looking at the uh, at the announcement sheets that uh, also celebrating uh, the uh, birthday would be uh, Merle cole got a grand day coming up so um, that will be Saturday the 27th uh, from 2 to 4 in the TAC. Um, please be bring no gifts uh, as Merle is everybody's gift alone. So, uh, we do have some other ones. The focus group uh, will be uh, going to the Juju Shrimp Boat and Bowling this this Saturday night, and they're going to leave the building here at five o'clock. And also, uh, it's beginning of the, of the new year still, uh, just two weeks in. If there's any things that you would like to find as far as figure uh, ways to serve the Lord. There are many opportunities for that. Uh, there is a interest form at the back of the uh, right there where the tracks, all the tracks are. You can fill that out even if you want to update date it or you can uh, go through the Congregate app, go under the My Participation uh, in the menu and you can uh, do that at there as well. Uh, that concludes the announcements for uh, today. Remember to please remain seated after prayer and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and we pray that all of our service here our singing our prayers and uh, studying your word. The communion of remembering your son's death on the cross has been pleasing to you and that your name has been glorified. Heavenly Father, as we go from this place, we remember your encouragement to be strong and courageous. And we would like to be extend that courage, the same courage that Laura had today. May we use that as an example as we go throughout the rest of this week. Support her and encourage her that we are in this race together. Till one day when we meet you in glory. This is our prayer in your son's name. Amen. We, we pray. Amen.
4: It's like for our Christian scholarship fund for this semester. All four students receiving scholarships. They're all currently attending Freed Hardman University. And if they'll just come forward and their name's called and receive it, or if they're not here, a family member or somebody to receive it. First, we have Savannah Martin, who is a senior. Next, we have Lewis Holloway. He's a sophomore at Freed Hardman. We have Sandra Holloway, who is a freshman at Freed Hardman. And last, we have Levi Swinney, who is also a freshman at Freight-Hardman. I would like to thank you all again for your support for this scholarship fund. I know I've said it before, but as somebody who took use of this, it's hard to place a value if, you, if used properly on a Christian education. The relationships and experiences and values you can be taught while there, um, it's just uh, it's beyond comparison. And I was fortunate to benefit from that, and I'm glad that those currently using it are able to benefit from it as well. Uh, thank you, and you're now dismissed.
3: I I will